Welcome to the New Life Podcast. We are a church in Masson, Ohio, and our goal is to let everyone know that God can give them new life. So whether you are local to our area or you are just tuning in for some encouragement today, I pray that this episode will bless and propel you forward to live that life that God has called you to live. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Thank you for joining us today. Yesterday was my dad's birthday, and I'm sure he's watching online, so happy birthday, Dad. We're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. While we look at the things which are seen, not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. FOMO, the fear of missing out, is something we probably all have experienced from time to time. Missing a golden stock tip, a potential spouse, a perfect job offer, or missing a party with our friends. Missing out leaves a sting of regret we all hate. You can be seated. Foresight is blurry, but hindsight is 2020. And that means we remember our past misses with crystal clarity. When we miss out too many times, we, begin, we can begin to dread the next miss. So our phones and social media serve as real-time real refresh of our comparisons with the lives of others, constantly feeding our fear of missing out. You see, FOMO and social media go hand in hand. Even the new entry in the Oxford English Dictionary confirms the link. FOMO, the fear of missing out, is an anxiety that an exciting or interesting event may be happening elsewhere, often aroused by posts seen on social media. We want to know, we want to see, we want to tweet. We don't want to be left out of the cool kid conversation. We want to be in the know. We want to hear the beeps and pings, and we want to refresh our feeds to make sure we aren't missing anything. My desire to never be socially left out comes at the price of beeps, pings, and endless feed refreshes. I constantly check my phone to make sure I'm not missing anything. But others also pay a price for my so-called relevance. When it comes to cultural FOMO, we're eager to turn tables and heap shame on others for not having ingested the movies, TV shows, or viral stories that we have already consumed. Whenever someone admits that they are behind on these cultural products, we are quick to expose them. Much as we begrudge being on the receiving end of this guilt, we dish it out in equal portions. Yes, we have blood on our hands because we both carry and spread this vicious FOMO disease. It feels so good to flaunt our relevance over one another's irrelevance. More than ever before through social media websites and 24-hour news cycles, we are aware of what's happening around us, and I think for many of us, this has raised our fears. My mom, I love her to death, but she's a worrier. She worries about everything all day long. Probably like a lot of moms, but she's definitely a big worrier. It got so bad that she refuses to watch the news anymore. You see, having smartphones is amazing, yes, but to have immediate 24-7 access to the internet is also to have immediate 24-7 access 
to all the world's greatest tragedies, sorrows, bombings, acts of terrorism, are we really prepared to carry this burden? We can boil down our core, our core online fear to two anxieties, says theologian Kevin Van Hooser. Status anxiety, what will people think of me? And disconnection anxiety, I connect, therefore I am. But connected to what and at what cost? We live in what has been described as an attention economy and the Sunday sermon seems weak in comparison to an internet surfing session. Question for us is whether or not our attention is being drawn to something worthwhile. The sad truth is that many of us are addicted to our phones because we crave immediate approval and affirmation. We want to be loved and accepted by others, so we wash away our scars and defects, and we put this scrubbed-down representation of ourselves online. We then tabulate the human approval in a commodity index of likes and shares. Like never before, us Christians are tempted to remain tethered to the daily news cycle, viral videos, political forecasts, and entertainment gossip. Our hyperconnection is fueled by our FOMO. We hate being left out, so we focus on every next big thing, such as the upcoming blockbuster film. And then we forget about God. This desire for personal affirmation is perhaps the smartphone's strongest lure, and it is only amplified when we feel the sting of loneliness or suffering in our lives. At the first hint of discomfort, we instinctively grab our phones to medicate the pain with affirmation. This couldn't be more damaging. We use our phones as security blankets. Don't think this is you? What's the first thing you do when you enter an elevator with someone you don't know? We trust our devices more than people. Whatever we put in our online public feeds tend to look edited, polished, and with it in control, confident, and sure. But when suffering hits, we forget that social media calls for a one-dimensional, carefully manicured projection of the self. Then we trudge our sorry selves to social media in order just to confirm how awful our lives are compared to everyone else's togetherness. In other words, FOMO plays insidious mind tricks when our sorrows are prolonged. When a sense of pain or suffering hits, we turn to our phones, and by turning to our phones, we just make the pain worse. Imagine someone enduring a prolonged suffering or depression, sitting at home in his or her pajamas. You crawl into bed, and you grab your phone, and you start scrolling through Facebook and Instagram. Here's what you find. Everybody's marriage is awesome. Their kids are incredible. They're counting money, and they don't struggle at all. There's no pain in their lives. There's no sorrow in their lives. And here you are in your sorrow, in your trial. You ate a whole gallon of ice cream watching a series on Netflix. And then you start to resent them. You start to grow angry against them. Really? Me, Lord? I'm enduring this trial? What about them? In your trial, your insidious, wicked heart will be exposed, and comparison is how it plays itself out. Marcus Aurelius said, Don't set your mind on things you don't possess, but count the blessings you actually possess, and think of how much you would want them if they weren't already yours. You see, the envious heart will misogynistically store up each painful reminder of the other success 
tabulating them and rehearsing them until it seems like the whole world is conspiring against us. Social media is the CNN of envy, a 24-7 news cycle of who's cool, who's not, who's up, who's down, and that keeps pumping fuel into the eternal fire of our envy. The problem is what we typically put on social media is the edited highlights of our lives. So why in the world do we compare ourselves to everyone else's edited highlights? I get having and wanting the approval of those people that are closest to you and the people that are in your tribe, but seeking the approval of a thousand people or 10,000 people on social media, are we really prepared to handle that? Mir Ezra said, happiness is found when you stop comparing yourself to other people. So where did FOMO begin? What is the birthplace, birthplace of FOMO? FOMO is neither unique nor modern. It predates the acronym coined in 2004, it predates Wi-Fi, and it predates our smartphones. FOMO is an ancient phobia with a history that reaches back to Bible times. We could say that FOMO is the first human fear, the first fear stoked in our hearts when a slithering serpent spoke softly of a one-time opportunity that proved too good to miss. Eat from the one forbidden tree, Eve, and you will be like God. What more could Adam or Eve want? To become their own bosses? To preserve their own independence? To define their own truth? To become all-knowing? And to delight in an autonomous regality? They could keep all the glory for themselves by becoming gods and goddesses. Who could refuse the irresistible chance to become godlike in one bite? These words, this lie, were loaded with a succulent promise too good to be true. It was false flattery. It was Satan's attempt to dethrone God by spinning words into insurrection by God's own image bearers. In other words, FOMO was Satan's first tactic to sabotage our relationship with God, and it worked. And it still does. The, event, the events in Genesis 3 contain both the first human sin and the first human fear. God gave Adam and Eve very clear instructions. Genesis 2.16 says, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see, these were very simple instructions. Have you ever met someone in your life that it doesn't matter how simple the instructions are, they still can't figure it out? It doesn't matter what crayon you use to spell it out for them, they still can't figure it out. As I was studying for this, I was reminded of a time where my mom gave my brother very simple instructions, and he just about did the complete opposite. We were driving home, and we had just picked up the little siblings from school, and me and my mom were going to the store, so we were just dropping them off. And the day before, my brother had locked my sister out of the house. So when we pulled up to the house, my mom turned around and looked at my brother and said, do not lock your sister out of the house. But from the driveway, we watched my brother race past my sister, slamming the door in her face and locking her out of the house. I think my mom could have killed my brother that day. But Adam and Eve had simple instructions. But behind the first sin was the desire for a different life. We can all imagine better lives, yes. And in the words of one novelist, I can hear my bones straining under the weight of all the lives I'm not living. Every day we are faced with the lives we cannot live, the lives that only others can live, and the lives that God has forbidden us to live. 
FOMO and social media are connected. Unhealthy phone habits are born from FOMO. Nobody can attend everything, but we get FOMO nonetheless. People go to a party because they can't stand to miss out when their friends are gathering together, but at the same time, they're recording a show or a ball game at home because they can't miss, on that, miss out on that either. One of the longest-running FOMO object lessons is told by our Savior in Luke. Chapter 16, starting in verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, when, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg to you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. This story of contrast between eternal loss and eternal glory. The story begins with a rich man who seems to not be missing out in any social or financial way and Lazarus, a poor, a poor man who seems to be missing out in every way imaginable. Their contrasts are merely temporary because both men die and face eternity. The story of the rich man and Lazarus is the grand story of role reversal. By the end, we find a former rich man who has lost everything and a former beggar who has gained everything. The former rich man now faces eternal torment as a beggar who pleads for a drop of water to cool the agony of judgment. The beggar now finds eternal delight as a redeemed sinner whose regrets and fears have been washed away in the eternal joy of God's restorative presence. At this point, the rich man, now eternal beggar, is missing out. And he fears that his loved ones will too. His urgent plea to Abraham, resurrect the beggar Lazarus and send him back into the world to tell the rich man's five brothers of eternal life so that they will hear and believe and thereby escape the wretched eternal missing out. This is the rich man's desperate cry. Jesus makes the moral of the story obvious. Where God's word is opened, read, and embraced by the hearer, there is no eternal fear, only the promise of eternal restoration for everything missed out in this life. As this story highlights, one legitimate FOMO cuts through all the other FOMOs of life, the fear of eternally missing out. God's wrath is real, and apart from Christ, there is only eternal destruction. The wealthy man in Jesus' parable is a portrait of life's greatest tragedy. A man filling his pockets, his belly, and his life with vain pleasures. He bought Satan's old life to Eve, choosing the foolish path of God ignoring self-sufficiency, and never embraced God as his greatest treasure. He did in the reality of judgment with the novocaine of self-indulgence 
and by it he destroyed himself eternally. In this condition of unbelief, the rich man faced the agony of the one of the most dreaded missing out, an eternal missing out, a weeping and gnashing of teeth missing out. Hebrews 4.1, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. The fear of missing out on eternal life is the one FOMO worth losing sleep over for ourselves, our friends, our family members, and our neighbors. But if you are in Christ, the sting of missing out is eternally removed. FOMO plagued sinners embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he promises us no eternal loss. All that we lose will be found in him. All that we miss will be summed up in him. Eternity will make up for every pinch and loss that we suffer in this momentary life. The doctrine of heaven proves it. The new creation is a restoration of everything broken by sin in this life. The reparation of everything we lose in this world. The reimbursement of everything we miss out in our social media feeds. Lazarus learned this blessed truth. Heaven is God's eternal response to all of the FOMOs of this life. Heaven will restore every missing out a thousand times over throughout eternity. Therefore, the motto over the allurement of the digital age is set in the slightly altered words of the Apostle Paul. I count every real deprivation in my life and every fear deprivation in my imagination as no expense in light of never missing out on surpassing the worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for all of eternity. We have got to get the right FOMO. We must fear missing out on the things of God. I don't want a carnal heart to cause me to miss out on the ultimate reward. I don't want my lack of prayer to cause me to miss out on the miracle of a backslidden family member worshiping next to me. I don't want my lack of worship to cause me to miss out on a miracle in my family. I don't want my lack of Bible reading to cause me to miss out on understanding and my faith being strengthened. I don't want my lack of tithing to cause me to miss out on a blessing in disguise. I don't want my lack of holiness to cause me to miss out on being a witness to a stranger. I don't want my bitter heart to cause my family to eternally miss out. All this chaos in the world today should spark a FOMO in you. My parents weren't perfect growing up. There was a period of time where they weren't really going to church, but they still made sure we got there every Wednesday and every Sunday. My parents, even in their unfaithfulness, knew that there was something worth missing out on. Parents, you need to make sure that you have the correct FOMO so that your kids don't catch the wrong FOMO. We have to get the right FOMO. Noah understood FOMO. It didn't matter how crazy people thought he was. He understood that the FOMO was far greater if he didn't get on the boat. He understood that there was more, far more to miss out on if he didn't obey God. Be careful who your friends and influences are. I'm not against being friends of people who are in the world or who don't have it all figured out yet, but you better make sure that you're a bigger influence on them than they are to you. You better keep your walk with God strong so that they catch your FOMO and not the other way around. I pray that I live in such a way that my family catches my FOMO. I pray that I'm such a godly influence at work that my coworkers catch my FOMO. You better talk in a way that your classmates catch your FOMO. You better dress in a way that your friends catch your FOMO. You have to have the right FOMO. 
You have to have the touch of God on your life because sometimes you're the only thing that can make a difference in someone's life. I overheard a conversation one time between some parents and one of the parents spoke up saying that they were worried because their kids spent all of their free time at church or with a youth group. Parents, please be careful. Don't project your childhood FOMO onto your children. You mothers and fathers better not be allowing your kids to believe that they're missing out on something they shouldn't. There is no better place for them to be than the house of God. It's okay if they miss out on school dances. It's okay if they don't play sports. Parents, can I remind you that your goal is to want your children to be as close to the fetus Jesus as possible, and that it's okay if they miss out on certain worldly experiences. You better be careful living vicariously through your children's lives. My parents were always in my business. I always had a strict curfew, so I'm going to let my kids do whatever they want. Just because your parents were maybe a little harsh and could have had a different approach doesn't mean that they were wrong. Parents, what you do matters. I read a terrible article the other day about parents giving their daughter breast implants for her 16th birthday. Their daughter was quoted saying, I know I will be more successful and prettier after I get these implants. Some parents have the wrong FOMO, and it's destroying their kids. There should be no FOMO when the activity being missed is sinful. A Christian can take comfort in knowing that choosing not to participate in sin is always the right choice. The Bible says that sin separates people from God. Even warning those who practice the works of the flesh will not inherit his kingdom. Believers should not fear missing out on the possible fun or excitement that generates because the wages of sin is death. The fleeting pleasures of sin may be tempting, but Christians who say no to sin are not really missing out. They are new creations in Christ and no longer slaves to sin. The opposite of fear of missing out or FOMO is joy of missing out. Jomo. Nehemiah 8.10, for the joy of the Lord is my strength. You see, if you're able to get the FOMO correct, you will receive Jomo. But if you get the FOMO part wrong, you will not receive Jomo. If you allow yourself to let the things of this world get a hold of your heart, and you miss out on the things of God, you'll be far from peace and joy. But when you keep your heart on the things of God and miss out on the things of this world, God will bless you and give you peace and joy. There's been things in my life that God has kept me from, things that I haven't experienced. I was lost and broken and on my way to hell. Could have been lost forever. Could have been in jail. Could have been on drugs. But somewhere along the way, the FOMO for the things of God stirred up in my heart. And he picked me up and turned me around and filled me with joy. You see, I got Jomo because I'm not lost in the world. I got Jomo because I didn't have to experience those addictions. I got Jomo because my parents are still together. I got Jomo because I was able to go to church today. I thank God for the things that he's allowing me to miss out on. You see, joy is rooted in who God is. It is not fleeting or based on circumstances. Worldly possessions, accomplishments, and even the people in our lives are blessings that make us happy and fuel our joyfulness. However, the Bible teaches us that the source of all joy is Jesus. God's plan from the beginning, the Word made flesh to dwell among us, is rock solid, allowing us to navigate difficult situations 
and the absence of happiness while sustaining our joy. You see, even though I don't have everything figured out yet, I can still have joy. When life's a mess and my job stinks, I can still have joy. When my car breaks down, I can still have joy. When my family has troubles, I can still have joy. If I lose my spouse, I can still have joy. If I lose my child, I can still have joy. If I have to downsize, I can still have joy. No matter what you go through in this life, you can still find the joy of the Lord. Scripture encourages us to rejoice in the blessings of our life and give glory to God in all things. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may have, it may abound in hope. True joy can be obtained in the heartfelt gratitude of God's love, mercy, and grace. Psalms 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. You see, it's not going to be easy, and you're going to face problems, and you're going to hit roadblocks, and obstacles will get in your way, and you'll probably lose friends, and family will disagree, but all of those FOMOs don't compare to the one true FOMO. Because even when things don't make sense, even when I don't know which way to go, when the FOMO of the world is at its highest, when I feel like giving up, I just have to reach back and get a little JOMO because we're so blessed, and we have such a big God who loves us and who died for us. Some of you need to give God praise for allowing you to miss out on some things. Some of you parents need to give God some praise because your kids are in this and not in that. You see, FOMO can save you or FOMO can kill you. David saw Bathsheba bathing on the rooftop and thought he was missing out on something, which led him down a path full of sin. Judas consumed with greed thought he was missing out on something, betraying Jesus and his fellow disciples. We must have the right FOMO. Out of all the heartache 2020 caused us to miss out on, there is still one missing out that is greater than all of those, and it's eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes in life you hit a crossroads of FOMO. When tragedy strikes, do I draw closer to God or do I become bitter? Life is so complex. Throughout my life, I have encountered many highs and lows, as I'm sure you have. These life experiences can be described as the valleys and peaks. And at one point, I am on the mountaintop filled with joy and gratitude. And the next, I am wandering alone in the deep, dark valley, lost and discouraged. You see, I never wanted to be a preacher. I never wanted a call of God on my life. In fact, I ran from it for a long time. God called me to preach at the age of 14. I can tell you exactly where it was. At 15, I traveled with my youth group to Louisiana, Missouri, and I preached my first real sermon at 15. Shortly after that, I didn't want anything to do with God. I didn't want anything to do with preaching, and I didn't want anything to do with this call to ministry on my life. I ran from God for the rest of my teenage years until I was 19. In fact, I didn't even preach again until I moved here. At 19 years old, I was at my lowest point, depressed, beyond lost, didn't even recognize myself. I still remember trying to negotiate with God. Just let me be a faithful saint. I'll run the soundboard. I'll sit in the back and take pictures. Just don't make me a preacher. 
But that summer, when I was 19 years old, I redirected my FOMO. And I turned away from the world and my fleshly desires and recommitted myself to Jesus and got a FOMO for the things of God. You see, God will always bless you when you say yes, even when you want to say no. I don't know why they talk bad about you. I don't know why they hurt you. I don't know why your daddy didn't love you. I don't know why you lost them. I know it's easy to get FOMO over the things, over those things, and it's easy to play the what-if game all day. But hear my warning today, we cannot lose sight of the one true FOMO. You see, I would rather miss out on that job promotion than to hear, I never knew you, depart from me. I would rather miss out on that night out with friends and pray instead and see my children come to God and serve him. I don't want a moment of offense cause me to miss out on a life of blessings. I would rather miss out on the temporary pleasures of this world than to be lost and damned to hell. You can all stand. I'm getting ready to close. Acts 3.15, Peter calls Jesus the author of life. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, all things are yours. Ephesians 1.3 says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then Matthew 6.20, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So if your trust is in the author of life, all things are yours. Jesus has purchased for us every spiritual blessing and imperishable treasures in heaven. No fantasy will ever deliver the happiness it promises us. We know this because no fantasy ever has. This reveals that FOMO for the things of this world is a false fear, a fear that we should not entertain. So leave it behind. Philippians 4, or 3, 13 through 14 says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. Christ Jesus. You see, missing out now is something we gain later. Above all, biblical fear of missing out motivates us to sacrifice. The paradox of this Christian life is one of loss that equals gain. If your biblical fear of missing out increases, your secular FOMO ought to drastically decrease. Because biblical fear will drive you to live a fruitful life, and so you are willing to miss out to gain later. Fear of losing eternal life leads you to lose your life for Jesus today. Matthew 16, 25 through 26, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in to return for his soul? You might miss a trending topic because you spent time in prayer. You might miss the latest gossip because you were making a meal for a saint. You might not have been able to add your like to that photo because you were caring for the orphan. You might have missed that Facebook gossip because you were visiting a widow. You might have missed that Instagram live because you were meeting the needs of the poor. You might not have been able to read that Twitter thread because, to the end because you spent time reading the word. So Christian, make the best use of your time and do not be mastered by secular FOMO. Stop scrolling. Set your phone down, open your Bible, write a letter to that saint, go care for the poor, pray more, share the gospel, turn from sin, 
and let biblical fear of missing out play its role in keeping your hand on the plow for a fruitful life.